Have you ever had a moment that changed your life? A moment that irrevocably set a new pathway in your life? For Maria Lourdes, she was 19 years old. That happened in April of 1973. She was going about her business in her life. And she went to a camp revival. And on the very first night there in Brazil, she gave her heart to the Lord. The very next night she went back and she met the Holy Spirit. He filled her to overflowing. That very next Sunday, she decided to go to church. And it just so happened that the pastor who was there challenged everybody in the room to make a decision to witness to someone else. And so before the end of that service, she sat and she prayed and she said, Jesus, if you will give me the chance, I will tell someone about Jesus before the end of this day. She got in a bus. She rode the 40-minute drive back home, highly expecting that someone would come and sit right beside her and she would have the perfect opportunity to witness to them. Sadly, that didn't happen. No one sat right next to her. And as she walked into her apartment, she had profound disappointment in her heart because she believed she had failed the Lord. At that moment, she felt quickened in her heart to go to the phone book and to call someone. So she opened up a phone book. She looked down. She closed her eyes and she put her name, her finger on a name. And the name of that person was Johnny Souza. So she picks up the phone with nerves, very worried, very concerned. She'd never done this before. And she makes the phone call. One ring, two rings, three rings, and no one answers. Finally, on the sixth ring, someone answers the phone and says, Who's this? And so she says her name very weakly, and she didn't know what else to say. So what she did is she sang the song she had heard at church, which was Just As I Am. And when she was done singing, the gruff voice on the other side said, Hold on just a minute. Don't hang up. I'll be right back. He didn't say, I'll be back, okay? (laughs) He said, I'll be just right back. So about a minute passes, and... When he hears voices coming from the other side of the phone, it's this man, Johnny, and his wife, Clara. And so he tells tells Maria to sing the song again. So she sings it once, and then she sings it twice, and then she sings it a third time. And then with fear in her heart, she says, I want to tell you about Jesus. Will you accept him in your heart? And surprise, and to her surprise, Both of them said yes, so she led them to Christ. And then Johnny and his wife Clara told told her a story, and this is what he said. My wife and I, we've been married for a number of years, and we're barren. We can't have kids. We went to the government office to see if we could adopt, and they told us we were too poor. We can't have any kids. Six months ago, I lost my job. That's what Johnny said. And yesterday, I found out that we would be evicted. This morning, I went to the store with desperation in my heart, 
and I bought poison. And I mixed a concoction and I put it in two cups, one for myself and one for my wife. And I said, we're going to drink this because life is unbearable. And as they were lifting the glass to their lips, the phone rings. And it's Maria Lourdes. And they made a decision to follow the Lord. And had they not done that, those two people would have stepped into eternity not knowing Jesus. But Johnny Souza's and his wife's Clara's story didn't end there. In fact, he felt a call into ministry. He became an AG pastor. He started up a church in Brazil. And the church eventually grew to be 30,000 people. All because one woman was willing to say yes to Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. He can set people free. He can transform experience. If only we're willing to say yes to him. Tonight I want to talk to you on the subject, experiential faith. Experiential faith. We're continuing a series entitled 40 Days That Left No Doubt. And if there's one thing I want to leave with you today is this, is that God wants to give you and I a faith experience that leaves no doubt about who he is and what he intends for us and the good that he wants to pour out on us. And so if you're here tonight and you've got doubt, I'm glad you're here because you're going to discover who Jesus is and he's going to raise your spirit and he's going to lift you into a new place and he's going to put a spring in your step. You're about to discover the person who died and rose again and who wants to lift your spirits tonight. With that said, I want to invite you to turn with me in the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verses 24 and following. And if you happen to have your Westover app, go ahead and open that up. We have notes there for you to follow along. And just to set the scene for us a little bit, Jesus has died a handful of days before. And Jesus' disciples are scared. They had been, just a couple days before, they were very confident about their faith in who Jesus was. They had seen him perform miracles. They had seen him heal the blind and cause the lame to walk again. They had seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. But when he died, they fell into a dark place in their faith experience. They began to doubt. They began to doubt. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead and he came back to them and he told them that they could have a transformative experience. So let's look together at John chapter 20, verses 24 and following. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. I'm going to pause here. A couple verses previous, Jesus had visited the disciples in a house. He had visited them. And then the very next week, he comes back. Verse 25, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, this is Thomas saying to the other disciples, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Some of us, we need to hear God say, Peace be with you. I'm here to tell you, he's here to tell you that tonight. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen him and yet have believed. I want to offer you as a parenthetical note that this final comment is for you and for I. He said, Blessed are you who have not yet seen and yet you've believed. He knew that we would come He knew that we would believe and he credits our faith and says you will be blessed. So what do you do when when you've lost your faith and you begin to doubt? What do you do? I'll tell you this. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. I want to share with you three steps to have a faith experience that leaves no doubt about who God is and what he wants to do in your life. Step number one is get connected. Get connected connected. Verse 24 says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Now, many scholars, they've spent some of their time debating what Thomas was doing. Did he go back home? Did he go back to his previous job? Did he go live with his parents again? We don't know. But we do know why he wasn't there. In fact, this is something that Jesus predicted in Matthew 26, verse 31. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read this for you. Then Jesus told them on the night that he was betrayed, this is what he said. This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He told them ahead of time, you're going to be scattered. But guess what? There's hope for you. I'll pull you back together. I'll help you get connected once again. Some of us are away from God tonight. You're in the house, but you have a distance in your relationship with Jesus. And I want to invite you to get close to him, to get connected to him. He loves you. He poured out his life for you. And he wants you to know that he wants to get connected with you. He wants you to discover what he has for you. I also want to talk to the home folk who are here with us. Some of you have been believers for a very, very long time. And I want to challenge you to partner with the Lord to help other people get connected. They once recently asked someone who is a church growth expert this question. In your research, what's the greatest reason for new visitors to come to church? They said the friendship factor. 75 to 90% of people who attend church today were invited. 75 to 90% of you who are here were invited by someone else. And so I want to challenge you to invite someone personally. Verse 25 says, so the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord. They not only told him, hey, we've seen the Lord, but guess what? Come and see what God is doing. He's alive. Just so you know, they didn't have cell phones back there. They didn't have email. They didn't have text message. So what they had to do is the disciples had to go out and go find Thomas. And they said, come back to the house. Hopefully Jesus will come back 
and he'll let us know what we can do. Invite someone personally. They also did another study of unchurched people. And they asked unchurched people, people who'd never been to church, if someone asked you to come to church, would you come? Here's the statistic. 96% of all people who are unchurched said that they would consider coming to church if someone would just invite them. 96%. If you're taking a test, 96% is an A+. That's really great odds. That's better than some of you may do when you're dating or trying to ask someone out for the first time. People will come to church if you just ask. And so I'm, I'm challenging our home folk to just ask. More than likely, people will say yes. I've discovered in my ministry that God prefers to reach the, the world one person and one ask at a time. He could do it a variety of other ways, but he prefers to reach people one person and one ask at a time. Jesus understood the power of the ask when he chose his disciples. In fact, this is what he said. He walked right up to them, looked them in the face and smiled and said, come follow me. Come follow me. Now, some of you know, I, I didn't grow up in San Antonio. I actually grew up in South Texas. And then I, after, after high school, I went to college in California and I just didn't want to stay there. I, I'm a Texas boy. I wanted to come back home. And I didn't want to go back to my small hometown, so I moved to San Antonio. And I lived in a house with my brother and my sister. But frankly, I didn't know anybody. And then one day, about a week into me being here in San Antonio, my friend Cesar invited me to church. He said, I know this great church. It's called Westover. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? I didn't realize then what I know now that God would give me the opportunity to minister the gospel in this house. And I've discovered, I've discovered that God can move and make a difference. And so if you're on the fence and you're worried and you don't know about this whole church thing and about this whole God thing, I want to challenge you to accept the invitation. Accept the invitation. Verse 26 says, A week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Thomas accepted the invitation to come back into community with the other disciples. Just say yes. I said yes. What I want you to know, though, church, is that I was nervous. I was nervous. The first gathering, I got invited over to someone's house, and I was nervous. And then I got invited to our college and career program, and I was nervous. And then I got invited to the auditorium of Westover for a service, and I was nervous. And then I met Danae, who's my wife, and I was nervous. <laughs> but what I've discovered is this, is that one yes may lead to your best blessing. One yes may lead to your best blessing, and my life is a testament of that. My life has been a series of yeses to the Lord and I'm not here to celebrate me, but I'm here to, to stand as a testimony. When you're willing to say yes to Jesus, he will bless you more than you could possibly dream. He's got great things for you, church. He's got great things for your marriage, for your family, for your finances, for your job, for your grandkids, for your great-grandkids. He's got great things. He just wants us to accept the invitation. So tonight, will you say yes? Will you consider it? Will you say yes? 
in just a couple days on Saturday, April 14th, we're going to have an event here on campus called Family Game Day. And the whole purpose of the, of the event is, yes, we're going to have fun and we want your family to have fun. But the truth is, we want to connect with you. My wife, Danae, and I, we want to connect with you. We want to hear your story. We want to hear what God is doing in your life. And we want you to come, get connected. 10 a.m. in the morning, you can register at the door. But more importantly, we're there because you matter to God. And because you matter to God, you matter to us. And we want you to have fun too. So come out. And if you've been with us for a little while, I want to invite you to consider joining a life group. My wife, Danae, and I, uh, my wife and I are in one life group, and I'm actually in a men's life group also. And can I tell you, I'm a pastor, and I get to do a lot of ministry, but some of my favorite things to do is in a life group because they're people who love me. They're people I can grow with in my spiritual walk. They're people I can grow closer to. They're people who will care for me when I get sick. They're people who are there to celebrate when my son passes a test. That's what Life Groups is about. It's about being part of a family. And if, and if you're in this place on the fence about this whole church thing, I want, you, I want to challenge you to say yes. And if you're interested in joining a life group, you can talk to me or you can talk to any of our pastors or any of our staff or you can actually go out into the hallway and turn left and go meet with some of the folks from our life group team tonight and get connected. Because when we get connected, God gives us a faith experience that leaves no doubt about who he is and what he can do in our experience. Step two is to embrace God's peace. Verse 26 says, Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The disciples needed peace. They were afraid. The doors were locked. Have you ever been in a situation where you were scared, but you knew everything was going to be okay? Maybe on a roller coaster. Maybe when you're out with your friends. Whatever the case is. Some years ago, I was in graduate school. And I worked full-time, and I would go to school at night, and I would get home right around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And one specific night, after finishing class, I look at my phone, and my wife is blowing up my phone. She's called me like three times, and she sent me a text message in all caps saying, where are you? And I'm like, uh, I'm at class. <laughs> so I get in the car, I make a phone call, I say, what's up? And she whispers, she's like, I'm scared. Where are you at? Come home. And so my mind races in a bunch of different directions. I'm wondering, did someone break in? Did something break? Uh, was there a fire? You know, did someone break in? All those years of watching Unsolved Mysteries with that creepy voice <laughs> was catching up with me. My parents said, don't watch the show. I watched it, and it freaked me out. It just bothered me a whole bunch. What, what happened is I said, are you all right? She says, yeah, I'm fine, but I need, I need you to come home. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I said, well, what's going on? I'm getting a little agitated. I'm trying to figure out. She says, I'm watching a show <laughs> about the 10 deadliest snakes in Africa. <laughs> and I need you to get home now. And I said, today... Just turn it off. 
just turn it off. She says, no, 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 it's really interesting. There are black mambas, there are green mambas. They can move faster than a human, and if they bite you, you die in nine minutes. I need you to get home right now. I said, babe, listen, they are in Africa. There are no snakes in our backyard. There's no black mamba. She said, I know, I know, I know, but I need you to get home right, right now. And click, she hung up. I'm glad it took me about 15 minutes to get home because I thought my wife was on crazy pills. And I needed Jesus. Pray for me. She has this unreasonable fear of snakes and spiders. And she thinks that anything that crawls on the side of the wall is either a black recluse or a brown recluse or a black widow. She's convinced. I'm like, babe, no, you're fine. Have you ever been afraid? But you knew you were going to be okay. The disciples were afraid. They were afraid. John chapter 20 verse 19 tells us why. It tells us that they were afraid of what the Jews were going to do. They were afraid that the Jews were going to come and attack them. And so they locked themselves in. But what's interesting in the verses that follow verse 19 is that Jesus had just talked to them. A week later, where we're picking up the story, they're still in that same house and they're still locked in. They're still afraid. But Jesus stepped in and he said, peace be with you. But what I want you to notice is this, is that even though they were locked in, Jesus was not locked out. And I'm here to tell someone today, if fears have you locked in, just remember Jesus is not locked out. He will walk through anything to get to you. He will walk through any barrier to get to you. In fact, this is what the Apostle Paul said in, verse, in Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. He says this, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God and nothing can separate us from the peace of God. And if you're experiencing peace tonight, God will walk through anything to get to you to let you know that his peace is available to you. But when he walked in that room, he just didn't say, peace be with you. He actually used a word that meant something very significant to those men in that room. He said, shalom. Shalom is a hello and a goodbye. It's like saying, God bless you when you greet someone and God bless you when they leave. It's like saying adios to people when you say hello and goodbye. This word shalom speaks to a supernatural peace that God wants to entrust to you. In fact, in Philippians 4 verse 7, this is what it says. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. They were afraid of what the Jews could do and Jesus stepped in and said, Shalom to you. I want you to know tonight, and I'm here to tell someone tonight, Jesus declares shalom to you over every struggle, every storm, every situation that you may be facing. Every storm, struggle, and situation. If you're hiding, he says shalom. If you're in bondage, he says shalom. If you're fearful, he says shalom. If you're stuck, he says shalom. If you need peace, he says shalom. He says shalom at the beginning and at the middle and at the end. His shalom is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can rely on it. You can take it to the bank. 
His peace will be there to encourage you. All we have to do is embrace it. When he says shalom to us, he just needs for us to say shalom and and embrace it. God's peace is available to each one of us. Number one, get connected. Number two, embrace God's peace. And step number three, to have a faith that leaves no doubt, is just believe. Just believe. Verse 25 and 27 and 29 says this, But he, Thomas, said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Jesus heard this, and this is what he said to Thomas. Then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have... You have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. Thomas had doubts. He wasn't sure if all the things that he had heard up to that point were really true. He had doubts. Have you ever had doubts? Have you ever had doubts about whether God was going to come through for you? Have you ever had doubts? I did. At, At the age of 10, at the age of 10, my parents noticed that there was something wrong with me. They noticed that as I would walk, for random reasons, I would trip and fall. And I would scrape up my knees, and I would scrape and just same spot, same spot on, on both legs. And so they took me to an orthopedic specialist. And they asked my dad, who's a doctor, what's wrong? And, he, and they said, well, we don't know. Something's wrong with, your son, with my son's legs, and I need you to figure this out. So what he did is he, he, he checked me out, He moved my legs, he pulled on them, and then with seriousness in his voice, he said, Sir, your son's, one of your son's legs is three quarters of an inch too short. Three quarters of an inch too short. I said, I said in my own mind, my one leg's too short? And then the doctor said something that struck fear and doubt in my heart. He said, I want you to set up another appointment for three months from now. And if his leg is not long enough, we're going to have to put pins in his leg, we're going to have to break his legs, and we're going to have to stretch it. And when I heard that, it struck fear in my heart. And I said, Mom, Dad, I don't want surgery. I don't want surgery. I don't want surgery. And with fear in their eyes, but still a faith in God, they said, let's pray about it, son. Let's believe that God can heal you. And for three months, I did not know what was happening. It was some of the most fearful months of my life. I go back into the doctor three months later. The doctor's checking my legs. And he begins to shake his head. And he said, sir, I don't know what happened. I can't explain it, but your son's legs are the same length. (laughs) Hallelujah. I had doubts. But it's as if were, Jesus stepped through the barrier and said, Jonathan, shalom to you. And because of that, I can stand here and say to you, God wants to declare shalom to you. We just have to believe. We are most blessed when we believe. When we just believe, we are most blessed. That's what Jesus promised. He said, if we're willing to believe even without seeing, we will be blessed. That's called faith. Sometimes we think that Jesus is our only hope. But I also want you to know that he's our best hope. 
He sometimes is our only hope, but he's the best hope for our life and for our situation. And we just have to choose and believe. Doubt will destroy you, but believing will build you up. Now, for all my Christian walk, I've always wanted to have a touch and see faith experience with Jesus. I've always wanted to see him face to face. I've never had that happen. But I want you to know I still have a touch and see faith experience. For you see, every time I pick up the Bible, I have a touch and see faith experience. John chapter 1 verses 1 and 14 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and came and made a dwelling among us. This word you hold in your hand are the words of Jesus. We can have a touch and see faith experience. If you have doubts tonight, all we have to do are opening these pages. That's all we have to do. Every answer to every doubt and concern and worry we have can be found in here. God wants to provide peace. He says, will you just choose to believe? Will you just choose to open up my word? If you want to touch and see faith experience, open up God's word. I've discovered that in every moment, Jesus says, don't doubt, just believe. Just believe. And as we close, I want to invite you to stand and I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And in just a moment, we're going to give you the opportunity to just believe. Verse 26, Thomas says something after he discovers who Jesus is. He says, my Lord and my God. He wanted God to be not only his Savior, but also his Lord. And Jesus is inviting you and I to step into him. I don't know what you came in with tonight, but I will tell you what was burdened in my heart. Is that there are people in the house tonight who have never made a decision for Jesus. And then there's others of you who have been like Thomas and life situations and struggles have caused you to scatter. Maybe it's divorce. You worked real hard in the marriage, but the other person didn't want to stay. Or maybe you prayed for someone in your family, but they, they still got cancer and they still got sick. Or maybe you showed up in the job and you did the very best and you were still fired. Whatever your circumstance, Jesus is saying, come home. Get connected to me. Just believe. Stop doubting and believe. And so at this moment, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're like Maria Lourdes, and you've never made a decision for Christ. Maybe, maybe you're like Thomas, and life circumstances have pushed you away from who God is. Maybe you're like Johnny Souza and you're on the edge, whether you're in the house or online. I want you to know that there is a God who lives and reigns and wants to provide his peace to you, wants to restore your joy. He wants you to know that he's there for you in your struggle and in your pain never made a decision for Christ or you want to recommit your life to Christ or you're in a crisis moment 
I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three, raise your hand. Yes, to my right, I see you. I see you, I see you. Yes, ma'am, in the middle. Yes, ma'am, in the front. Yes, ma'am, over here to my left. God sees you, God sees you. For those of you who have your hands up, we have members of our prayer team who are standing right here. And they would love to introduce you or reintroduce you to Jesus. But maybe you're in a crisis situation and you're on the edge and you've thought about many things that are difficult to utter and you just need God's peace. I want to invite you to come. Come now. If you raise your hand, don't delay. Come now. Come now. God wants to meet with you. God wants to meet with you. Yes, come, come. Yes, let's discover together the God who gives us peace.